Welcome to the Talking Blues Extra Show, your midweek extra source of all things Everton. Um, I'm here with Paul. Uh, you may have noticed I'm not Jerry. Um, if you're on the podcast, you might you might hear. I don't sound like Jerry. I don't look like Jerry. So yeah, I'm Tom. Uh, I'm going to host this extra show for. It's going to be an extra midweek thing for you to listen to because a week's a long time without Everton. So we're going to give you a little extra. Um, I'm here with Paul McAllister today. Uh, welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, mate. Let's rock and roll. I know normally when we've got Jerry here, he's, we've got a nice, soft-voiced American to keep us all balanced, but <laughs> we'll, just, we'll do it. Just the two of us. Just two scouts with lads this week. Yeah, yeah a bit of scouts power to the, to, the, to the podcast. We should be all good. But uh, four segments for you on today's Toffee Blues Extra show. Firstly, we'll be uh, in conclusion, Everton 3, Brighton 1. We'll be discussing the match at the weekend and uh, summing it all up for you, what we thought about the game. Uh, secondly, we'll be talking about Roberto Martinez to Madrid. Those rumours that have come out recently, uh, there's some substance to them, so we're going to be talking about what we think of those rumours and why Martin has been linked with such a crazy job. Um, thirdly, we'll be talking about the best Everton goal celebrations following on from Seamus Coleman's celebration at the weekend. And finally, we'll be talking about Danger Men, Chelsea away. As we go to Stamford Bridge this Sunday, we're going to be talking about who the Danger Men are for Chelsea and for Everton, Premier and Paul. Our first segment, anyway, we're going to start off with, in conclusion, Everton 3, Brighton 1. Uh, it was a good win. I, I've been in Barcelona over the weekend, unfortunately, so um, I, I managed to catch most of the match, but um, my girlfriend dragged me out of the sports bar halfway through, so, uh, so uh, I, I managed to catch most of it. But uh, what did you think of it, Paul? Can you uh, catch me up on what happened? Yeah, I, I was sat in the lower gladders. Um, I thought we started really good, you know. Uh, I don't normally... What really helps the atmosphere at Goodison if there's an early chance, if if the game kind of just starts and it kind of just plods along and there's no real flashpoints for the first 15, 20 minutes, then the crowd just tends to, I wouldn't say get restless, but just tends, tends to not really re- get fully involved in the game sort of thing. And the players kind of sense that and they don't. there's not really any urgency. But what a thing I really liked is, is that we came out attacking straight away. We looked like we'd been told to get an early goal. Sigurdsson had a few chances earlier on. He, he probably should have done better with at least one of them. We should have been one nil up after five ten minutes, but it was, you know he, he came close. But there was no sense that oh god we're going to regret missing that. I thought from the opening twenty minutes it's a matter of time here. Yeah, a goal's coming. A goal's coming. Nobody worry. And then it came in. And Richarlison's goal was absolutely lovely. The finish was great, and the build-up play coming from the corner counter attack. That was absolutely brilliant. The type of football that we would never have seen that last season, and we didn't see much of it under Ronald Koeman, and we definitely didn't see much of it under Martinez in the last two seasons. So goals like that were a it was a real highlight, real type thing, and that best goal at Goodison I can remember probably since maybe Tom Davis's one against City. Yeah, and I, I don't say that I don't say that lightly. It was such a such a lovely goal to behold, and to see it from where I sit in the local, to see it going all the way down the other ends with Charleston, um getting on the end of what was like a 50-yard run by Sigurdsson. It was just brilliant. And then second, um, no, before we get, the equaliser, rather. The equaliser came about 10 minutes before half-time. 
And I think it was just maybe a bit of complacency. I think after we got the first goal, kind of we got a bit took our foot off the pedal and just that little bit we kind of let them get on the ball a bit more and establish themselves and that's all they needed they got a corner we played a little one-two with whoever they've got out wide he got it in with a great cross and Dunk I think that was it Dunk got above Zuma nothing Pickford could do one-one and everyone's just kind of scratching their heads thinking how's that happened these haven't had a sniff how are we 1-1 and after that goal went in it was a little bit shaky no not not shaky i take that back it was just a little bit subdued it was like it looked like our confidence had been shaken a little bit but thankfully we got in at half time silver said what needed to be said we came out second half and it was just back to normal we smacked we really really played great second half so the richarlison goal the second one that was gorgeous as well to watch and that was just opportunism i really that was one thing lukaku never seemed to do he never seemed to be alert do you know what i mean when there was danger with like if you just paid that extra split seconds with potential, you could have been on goal then. That's what Richarlison done, and he got us the third, went around the goalie, brilliant goal. Coleman's great goal in between that, just after that time, that thunderbolt of a strike. So, to wrap it up, I've spoken a while here, I just thought it was a really good day at the office. There was a little wobble in, in, in the first half, that it only lasted about 10-15 minutes, and when we got by in half time and we came back out again, it was everything was fine. There was nothing to be concerned about at all, really. Yeah, I think the, the goal wasn't too. We was nothing to be worried about. But when I watched it back, I just thought it's another one. I, I blamed it on Zuma Mark, and I know I know um, Dunk out jumped Zuma, and um, Zuma didn't really get to the ball as much as he should have done. But I was looking at it thinking, isn't that another goal that we can put down to Zuma Marken? I don't think the players have grasped it as much as they could, they should have done. By now, I think they've, they've been working with that system for a while. It's not one that I'm massively an advocate of anyway, but it, if, if, if Silva's going to do it, we've got to work with it. And I just don't think our players have quite grasped it so far. We're still not defending corners convincingly. I'd, I'd, would you put that down to a lack of experience with Zonal Marken? Yeah, probably, because a lot of these defenders we've got who've come into the team over the past year or two years... Did any of them play zonal market at the previous clubs? I don't think don't they did, really. Zuma, no, Zuma didn't play zonal market at Stoke. I don't think Keane ever played zonal market at Burnley or last season under any of the managers we had then. Um, Paul Gates never really done zonal market at any point when he's ever been in the, the first team. So, yeah, it's, I get what you're saying. It's just it's taken a while to bed in, probably taking too long now because what's that? at least half a dozen goals already this season that we've conceded from it. Mm. So, as you said, Silva looks like he's not going to get rid of it. He's going to persist with it, and we're just going to have to get used to it. But I agree with what you're saying. This is, we can't be just never getting any better. We need to see progress with it. We can't just be conceding goals every week or two, thinking, "Oh, how avoidable was that?" Do you know what I mean? Because it was avoidable that goal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We I think they were beautiful goals though on the bright side. We, we it was a brilliant performance, and every single goal was just like one of the best like they weren't average goals they were all wonderful goals as you say the first one on the counter attack seconds after after defending a corner just straight up the pitch it's so refreshing to see speed like that in an Everton, in Everton team like um, especially when we lack pace so much last season it's 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 really refreshing to see and um, obviously the other two goals great to see Coleman silence his critics as well I know Coleman got quite a bit of stick last week um, mm. he has been below par recently since he, I, I think since he came back from injury a while ago but uh, he hasn't really hit the height since his first game back from injury really but um, he's, he's proven his critics wrong now and he's, he's, he's probably coming back and um, 
although he sometimes looked a little shaky defensively, going forward, he's he's still one of the best. He's still completely got it, hasn't he? He's, he's got that fierce shot on him as well. And um, yeah. he's definitely he's definitely uh, you can't put him down because uh, he bounce back every every time. And um, obviously the other goal from Richarlison was lovely as well to see him uh, go past Shane Duffy, slalom around him after this loose <laughs> pass from Lewis Dunkers. I think they're two of the most solid centre backs in the Premier League, and I, I know they they're not at the a best standard in terms of team. With all respect to Brighton, I, I do think they're two very solid centre backs, and and Richarlison just kind of bullied them in a way. So I, I think in a way. It's it's starting to look like we're finally replacing Romelu Lukaku. Would you agree with that? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, when we signed Richarlison, I don't think anyone envisioned him going up front in a number nine role. Not really. But I I don't think we'll see him on the left now much. I think he's kind of established himself as a, as a striker. No, like Arn Arnautovic did at West Ham under Moyes. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing because what's he's different from Tosin, isn't he? Tosin's a good finisher, I think, but he maybe lacks a bit of speed and he lacks the physicality against the biggest defenders, guys like Duffy and Dunk, who are big strapping lads. You know, Tosin's not going to win any kind of physical battles with them, you'd think. So, Richarlison's got the build for that. He's He can lead the line, he's quick, he's alert, as I touched on earlier on. He's not greedy, in a way, not in a bad way. I mean, obviously, if he's clean through on goal, he's not going to pass it to somebody but he's kind of willing to sacrifice himself when he needs to, and that's good. That's a good thing in, in having a striker. And one thing I like about him as well is that he doesn't kind of when he gets hurt, he doesn't kind of just like roll around on the floor and make a big scene. And you know, what what's the word? He's not like Will Saha the other week where he's constantly moaning to referees, going, "Oh my God." Tell these people, tell these players to stop kicking me. Get the physio on. Oh my god, I feel so sore. He get he, do, he has been targeted the last couple of weeks. He has gone down and get and he has got a bit of treatment. But he's always kind of like he's got that attitude of right, just get a back, just put a bandage on it and let me get back on quick. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I thought he, when he went down in the first half, I think it was not long before half time. I thought he was going off. Personally, I thought you know he looks like he's in a bit of pain there and he's limping. I I I think we'll have to make a change here. Yeah, so. Tosin and Calvert Lewin warming up, but now he he just he went off to the side. He was off the pitch for twenty seconds and he ran back on and he just ran it off. And I really like that in the striker. We we need that sort of attitude. I don't want to have a player who's kind of like made of glass type thing. Where yeah, he's got a lot of flair, he's got a lot of ability, but oh, as soon as someone bullies him, he kind of just sulks and feels sorry for himself. I really like that about the Charles, and he's got a kind of right. If you're gonna if you're just gonna kick me and target me, then I'm just gonna get on the ball and embarrass you and make you basically make a show of you which is what he's done to Duncan Duffy as you said he, he ran rings around them all afternoon definitely he did you can show his physical side as well he's a, he, may, he may have to beef up a little bit if he's going to be a centre forward long term but I, I think there was one occasion where he shoved Dunk over in the air he had a little area battle and uh, yeah. Dunk ended up on the floor and uh, that's that's quite a feat against what is he six foot five centre back or something like that and he, he knocked him over and he, he's definitely getting that physical side of the game because we've seen him Maybe in his first couple of games, a centre forward. Obviously, he's, he's, he's a quality centre forward, but he was getting pushed around a little bit. But obviously, as you say, he can't take it. But um, he can give it out now as well. It looks like so. That's uh, mm-hmm. definitely a promising sign, anyway. So uh, there was a lot of promising signs from the match, anyway. But um, really good match, Everton three, Brighton one. So uh, we'll wrap it up there, anyway. In conclusion.
rumours linking Roberto Martinez to Madrid because I think we can call it a little bit more than rumours now. It's it's widespread in the in the media and the the, the Belgian FA. I, I think I think I'm right in saying that the Belgian FA have came out and spoke about it to the press. So there is something, uh, there's something behind these rumours. And um, what do you think? What do you think of it, Paul? What do you make of these rumours? Um, they're out. They were out of left field, aren't they? I think it just kind of just goes to show that there's not a lot of strong candidates around right now, is there? Because if those, I've got, I've got to believe that it's when they sacked Lopetegui, that Martinez wasn't the name that was jumping out of everyone's mouths. It, it sounds like they've had a talk to Conti and they've decided that Conti's not really their cup of tea. Um, who else is there? A couple of other managers who you'd think. Like back, um, Angelotti's tied up at Napoli. I'm sure they'd have him back if they could have him. Um, Klopp and Pochettino are both tied down to Tottenham and Liverpool, respectively. I know they're talking about Mourinho as well, but I think I think that would be a massive backward step if they go back to Mourinho. So it kind of just seems like they're looking for a flavour of the month type managers, and that's pretty much what this is. They're coming off a good World Cup, and he's just kind of got his name in the headlights. Oh, he's got his name, he's got his name in the lights in the headlines rather because <laughs> he's kind of. He's coached a lot of big players to big performances in the World Cup, but what what I'm saying is, uh, a bit achievement-wise, does he deserve to have his name linked for such a massive job like that? No, of course he doesn't. I mean, what, what's on his CV when you really think about it? He's got an FA Cup. Okay, fair play to him. You can't ever take that off. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good managers who've never won cups in their careers, and he's won one. So fair play to him. But there's also a relegation. There's also two bottom half finishers with a 25 goal a season striker leading his line. There's what the Swansea he did he, okay he did very well at Swansea but he didn't really stick around at Swansea for too long did he it's not he, he didn't exactly do what Eddie Howe's done at Bournemouth he kind of had a couple of years there and then he kind of moved on and let someone else get all the glory in the form of Brendan Rodgers and since he's gone to the World Cup he's got to a semi final with a team that on paper you'd think would probably be the favourites to win it Definitely. so Martinez. I'm quite shocked that he's getting linked with this in a way, but I'm also not shocked because there always seems to be managers who at international tournaments kind of do well for themselves and end up scoring a big job of it. So it's not shocking in that sense, but does someone of Roberto Martinez's calibre deserve a massive, massive job like that? Probably the biggest job in football. No, of course he doesn't. It's crazy, isn't it? I think uh, I've said a lot about him in the past. I do think he's a cup manager. I know he led us to the... Um, high place finish in his first season, and that was that was quality. But I do think he's more of a he's more of a cup manager. He, he likes to treat every game as a cup final kind of thing. He's a very positive manager, as we know. He almost too positive at times. He likes to dress things up, and uh, he was it, it, it done everyone's heads in the end. The way he was so positive, and he just even if he he got he just got beat three one, he'd be like, oh yeah, the goal was great, and uh, the players performed really well. He's just he's a type of manager you just want for. I think he was he was at his best with international management. To be honest, I think that was his forte. I think in international management, he found the job that was right for him. It was it was it was a decent job to get the Belgian manager's job with the golden generation that they have, all the quality players. Any manager would have loved that job. You're going into a World Cup with some of the best players in the world, really. And I, I think he, he did really well. To be fair with uh, with Thierry Henry, but I, I just think. He, he he found what he's good at, so why doesn't he stick at it? And he's very lucky to be to be linked with this job because club management is very very different to international management, in my opinion. Anyway, and in terms of his achievements at club management, I know he has he, apart from Everton, obviously he's never really managed a big club. 
so to be linked with Real Madrid, I just think it's there's no one else really on, available. So that, that that's why I think that's why I think he's been a, he's been linked with them. Yeah, but if you, looking at it from Real Madrid side, I think what what are they really after? Are they just after a stopgap manager who will just kind of keep the, the boat in the water until the end of the season and then they can go again and look for a, another big name and hopefully there'll be one available or do you want to just kind of start the rebuilding process now right in the middle of a season so I think if you want to stop gap then um, I think you're probably better sticking with what they've got Solari yeah. but if they want to kind of start the new dynasty the new era right now then I mean I've I just said it I don't think Roberto Martinez is the man for that job but I think a manager of his age and his experience and at the play, at the stage of his career that he's at would he probably be the it would be the sort of right approach to go for a manager who's kind of in that part of his career but one thing I'll say about Martinez touching on what you said I think he's found something he's good at and I think he'd be very very silly to leave it now because I can't think of many managers over the past 20-30 years who've took the Real Madrid job and then left the Real Madrid job with their stock higher than it was when they first joined. How many managers just get their reputations shredded by that because they can't deliver crazy expectations? I think Zidane is obviously an exception. Maybe Angelotti as well. He picked up a European Cup with them. But how many other managers have they had where they just kind of chase them out the door and then they struggle to build the reputations back up? I mean, who have they had recently? They had Mourinho. He went to Madrid and... I wouldn't say he did badly, but he didn't do what they wanted him to do. And he kind of had to basically come back to England for the Chelsea job because it was available. I mean, he didn't take too much of a hit, obviously. He, got, he walked straight into another job. But he was coming. Go, he went into the Real Madrid job as probably the best manager in Europe after winning the treble with Milan. And then he kind of had to come back to Chelsea to kind of prove himself all over again. And who else have they had? They had, um, I believe, Fabio Capello. Yeah. It's another one they've had in the last 10 years. Capello kind of... Was that Capello's last club job? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah Capello had know, that. Yeah. yeah, Capello had that and kind of didn't do much either and then basically just had to go into international management. So when you go into international management at his age in the 60s, it's basically semi-retirement, isn't it? They had Pellegrini as well. Same thing, didn't really manage much. So if you're Roberto Martinez, you're looking at it thinking, do I really want to... Go, go for that now I know it's a massive club with prestige but do I want to go to that job now and probably not achieve what they want me to achieve or I can't, there's no way he can match what Zidane's just done is there so he'll come out to that Real Madrid job and I think it's very unlikely he'll come out to that Real Madrid job with loads of other Champions League level clubs knocking on his door demanding that they can have him I think if he's going there, he's just setting himself up to fail because it's just such an impossible job to do successfully. Definitely. It's a massive risk, isn't it? It reminds me of David Moyes at Man United, to be honest. It's one of them where it's the job of your career. You're gonna, mm-hmm. It's a massive opportunity, but with that, it comes a massive risk of jeopardising your whole career, really. So I just think it is a massive risk. Yeah. But uh, I think that one of the main reasons why he's been linked with them is, is attack and style because... Obviously, like people say, La Liga isn't the best quality apart from the top clubs. I just think the quality is decent, but obviously Madrid want an attacking manager, and that's that's exactly what Martinez is. So uh, I, I assume that's why that's why they've linked linked with him. But I do personally, I think Arsene Wenger would be a better better uh, suit myself, and I think he's been um, I think he's recently agreed a deal with the uh, AC Milan just coming through recently. I think, but. Um, yeah. I would have thought he'd be a better option than Martinez anyway, but it's an interesting one. But 
Yeah, one thing I'll say about Martinez as well. Yeah. I mean, I've, I make no secret of the fact that I don't really have a lot of time for him as in terms of, as I said, his management ability. I don't really think there was much there as people made out. But one thing I'll say is, if he takes that Real Madrid job, I think it would say a lot about him as a person. In the sense that he's meant to be a proud Catalan. He's he's from the Johan Cruyff, Pep Guardiola, like um, school of football. He's a disciple of that style. He's as I said, he's a very proud Catalonian to the point where whenever he's referred to in like newspaper articles, especially when he was at Everton as well, he was always asked to be referred to in you know publications as a Catalan, not a Spaniard. He doesn't like being referred to as a Spaniard. So if a proud Catalan like him goes to join Real Madrid. And again, I know it's a massive club, probably the biggest club. It's such such prestige and such a thing to have on your CV. But if you're willing to kind of just throw away your own identity and your own principles, as he likes to bark on about, to go and just manage a club like Real Madrid, who are kind of the opposite of what everything you say you believe in, I think that would kind of I'd, I'd lose even more time for him as kind of a, as a bloke. He did that. It would be like me or you going to managing Tory FC. <laughs> Do you, know what I'm, yeah. do, you know what do you know what I'm coming from with that? So, if Martinez gets offered that job and says no to it, I'd think a lot more of him as a, as a person because I think it would take a lot of guts to t- say no to the Real Madrid job and say no to it, not just from a footballing point of view, career point of view, but also from kind of like a conscience point of view because I think he'd be making life very difficult for himself and life very difficult for his family back in Catalonia if he took a job like that. So, I'm hoping that's kind of on his brain if... Uh, and it's something he really thinks about if he does get the phone call and ask to come in. I, I completely agree with you, especially at a time where the friction between Catalonia and mm-hmm. Spain is is rife at the moment. I know with the, uh, the the vote last year, I think it was last year this week about the big vote where Catalan Catalan people were arrested for an uprising here against mm-hmm. the state, and. For, for Martinez to just completely contradict himself and go to the enemy as such would be a, would be a controversial move, wouldn't it? Definitely, and I do think, it, as you say, yeah. it would make make life difficult for him personally above his career, and he's got to put that above his career, really, hasn't he? His personal life, and uh, so um, I think so. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, uh, someone, sorry, someone like Guardiola, even if he was on the bones of his ass, do you know what I mean? If yeah. let's just say he got sat from three straight clubs and he somehow got offered the Real Madrid job I don't think he'd take it he'd never I think take he's no he'd never take it no matter what no matter how much money they offered him or how much of a state his career was in he'd never take that and I don't think people like um, if he if he was alive um, Johan Cruyff would take that yeah. or if he ever becomes a manager I don't think someone like Messi would ever take that or an Iniesta would take that yeah. so I think for Catalonian to take that job to really consider taking that job I think yeah, that doesn't. That makes me not have a lot of respect for them personally. So overall, I think I'm not too shocked that he's getting linked with it. I definitely don't think he deserves to be linked from, with it from a career point of view. But I don't think he should take it. One because he's probably setting himself up for a massive fall, and two because it would just, as we said, it would go against everything he claims to believe in. And I'd like to think that Martinez is not as false as that. Definitely, I completely agree. I think. I think. Beck Guardiola would probably rather take the Akron than Stanley job than he would Real Madrid, in all honesty. But, um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there anyway. It's really interesting. That was an interesting segment about Martinez, yeah.
Um, hope you enjoy this one. We're going to talk about uh, Everton goal celebrations because we've obviously seen Seamus Coleman at the weekend silence his critics with one of these, with a cover in his ears um, to show that his fans basically, need, his, his critics need to shut up and, and just watch him play because he will pull out the goods eventually. He's Seamus Coleman, he's not going to let us down, is he? He's Everton through and through. But um, we're going to talk about Everton celebrations through the years and the ones that stick out for us. So, Paul, what, what are the ones that stick out for you? Um... Oh, Kale's the obvious one, isn't he? That that's an iconic one. I, I love Kale's um, boxing of the corner flag. Um, a cu- couple of others that we kind of didn't see a lot. We just kind of just kind of maybe one-off celebrations. Was Jim Jagielka's like mad cartwheel? Yeah, Gladys that's like a failed cartwheel, wasn't it? it was like, yeah, it was, I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember who it was against for the life of me. But um, I think it was the team in red. I, I, I just maybe Southampton or yeah. Sunderland or someone like Football that. <laughs> yeah, he, that was a, that was that made me laugh. Um, yeah. And is it between as one of those? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the crazy oh, dance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one I really liked was um, uh, I mean, it wasn't really like a goal celebration. It was kind of more just like a victory celebration. Do you remember Phil Neville and the penalty shootout against Chelsea down at Stamford oh, Bridge? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he took it cool as you like, yeah. scored it, had no reaction, walked straight up to the fans <laughs> who were goal mental. Yeah. Turned just slowly and like really, really dramatically, just kind of moved his arms up like that <laughs> in front of everybody as if he's like, as if he's just scored a 40 yarder in the Champions League. Final. Typical Phil like Neville fashion. Just, yeah, just Phil Neville, just the most dad celebration ever. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was in that beautiful cream kit, wasn't it? That lovely kit. We had a few yeah, fair kit, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah I, I've, I love that fo- I love that to this day. Um, <laughs> Delafeu as well. Delafeu had, had one that I liked. The machine gun celebration. I mean, he, the one against Arsenal, that belted equaliser he scored and he ran right up to the Everton fans. That was a really good one. I enjoyed that. And I'm just trying to think of a few others. Have you got any that stand out in your brain that you really, really liked? Um, oh, obviously, the Kale, the, the Kale boxing one is the one that sticks out in my mind. But the one I thought as well was, uh, was uh, Ross Barkley against Bournemouth. I, obviously... I absolutely despise Ross Barkley. I'll get I'll get that straight before I even say this. Yeah, we're divorced from Ross Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a proper idiot. But that was a, it was a great celebration when he celebrated before he'd actually scored the goal. It showed great confidence. I would have loved him to miss it in a Chelsea shirt anyway. But in an Everton shirt, it was it was it was great to see him celebrate before he scored the goal. Um, so that, that that was one that sticks in my mind. And then obviously the other one was um, Tim. Uh, Tim Howard, I was going to say, no, Tim Howard, Tim Howard, he scored against their ball. Tim Howard didn't celebrate, did he? He didn't <laughs> celebrate at all, no, he, he, out of respect for Adam Bogdan, you know, he plays, I think he's, does he still play for Liverpool, Adam Bogdan? No, I think they've long since uh, been him off, he's, <laughs> he's back in the championship now. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he didn't celebrate at all, but it was a great goal, but I, I was meant to say Tony Hibbert against AEK Athens and his uh, testimonial match pre-season, when it wasn't really his celebration, he just stood there and stuck his arms in the air, but... Everyone else's celebration when the pitch was flooded with Everton fans, and it was just a great, just a just a great club celebration altogether, really. So that was a that was another stick on me, man. One as well, we uh, we mentioned before, um, uh, Duncan Ferguson against Liverpool, because um, we saying there's got to be some derby ones. So the, the tattoo against Liverpool, so um, that's another uh, another classic, and um, I, I like yeah. Yakuba with the butterfly as well. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I was disappointed we didn't we didn't see one of them at the weekend. He, he came on the pitch <laughs> at half time because he's 
apparently he's involved with this friendly we're having on Tuesday night yeah, against yeah. Um, the Kenyan side. He's he's got something to do with that. And he's going to be like presenting some sort of trophy. But he came on the pitch and basically had a go at Adjama, hit the bar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've kind of they brought that back this season, and Yakubu <laughs> came on and had a go. And I was hoping that we'd see the, the butterfly celebration, but <laughs> sadly not. So, um, oh, I had one in my brain just then. It's gone. We it was going back to Derby, the a Derby goal. Oh, that that was it. Jumbe Lee Carsley's. Oh yeah. Kind of yeah. That that to, to this day, that's my favourite kind of Everton photograph. It slash image. Yeah. The pile on yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's just for me that that's Everton personified. Yeah. That that's mm. kind of. Just everyone in it together, the emotion in Kale's face as well. Kale's kind of like on top of it all, yeah, isn't he? Kind yeah. of with his arm with his arm in the air and then sort of like crying with joy, isn't he? Yeah. That's my favourite, favourite uh, photo of just Everton. And yeah. the fact the goal that went in as well. If you look back if you look back at that old Lee Carsley goal against Liverpool, it kind of wasn't really that good at strike, was it? I always oh. remembered it as like some some, I always thought it was some absolute pile driver yeah. that kind of just funded past Kirkland, but I watched it again for the first time in a while recently, and it was just a really sort of like tame it of the ball. <laughs> you'd think you'd think that would be bread and butter for a goalkeeper, yeah. but Kirkland was just kind of caught completely wrong-footed, and it just bobbled past him <laughs> and went in the net really, really slow, and just the sort of just like, oh my God, it's gone in, type <laughs> reaction of Carsley himself and everybody else, not like, oh my God, yes, we've scored, just kind of, Oh my! Oh, really? That really went in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. You know what I mean? And he kind of just run, running away. He can't believe in his luck, and everyone's just jumping on top of him. So, yeah, that that's an absolute belter celebration. I I love seeing that photograph whenever yeah, it pops up anywhere. But <laughs> yeah, that's why I remember about that goal, that game, that image. I don't remember the ball going in the net. I don't remember anything else. I just remember that image. Yeah. Of the pilot, and one one or two others. I, I liked Pienaar. Pienaar would pull out a, a bit of an odd celebration every now and then, whether it was... Didn't he run over to the park end and side, side of, like, have a mess around with a South African flag or something? Oh, yeah, I think so. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. I think it was my Tabins. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Martinez's first season. Might, forgive me if I'm wrong with it. I think it might have been the last goal he ever scored for Everton. Yeah, yeah. Because that was, kind of, yeah, that was kind of maybe the last season that he was kind of in and around the first team properly. It was... can't remember who was against but it was at the park end and he scored and he just ran, ran over straight like it's like he had it in his mind what he was going to do if he scored a goal that was he knew exactly what his plan was he just walked, ran straight over to this flag and fixed it and then walked away like it was nothing and I remember a, a goal he scored in the Europa League as well I think it was against Sport in Lisbon where he kind of like picked his leg up in his hand and started like playing it like it was an air guitar <laughs> that, that made me laugh so yeah, I, I I like odd celebrations. I mean, some of them are cringe, some of them are just epic, some of them are tongue in cheek. But <laughs> I like I like celebrations. It shows a bit of personality in the players. I don't mean I'm not really bothered about just the standards. Oh, let's just all run run away and cheer. Let's let's <laughs> kind of let's let, let's create let's create an image for the newspapers type thing. Let's let's create a back page. Yeah, definitely. Love a bit of Lee Like I used to hate Ramelu Lukaku when he used to score. He used to score some bells of goals sometimes. But he used to stand there. He just wouldn't do anything. He didn't even look happy to score. He just he just he, Lukaku used to just stand there. He just, like, you're just thinking, mate, did, did you see what you just done? And he, he just wasn't phased by it. But uh, I love a bit of enthusiasm. You, you can tell how much the player loves, loves Everton by the celebration sometimes. Is it like? Like we said yeah. about Coleman, like uh, last weekend, you can just tell his passion for the club, and he's 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 really bothered, whereas like he sometimes really wasn't. But um, look at the goal. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, going back to derbies as well, I have to say, I have to mention the um, the um, good old. Andy oh, Johnson. how could we forget that? Yeah. Andy Johnson, yeah. yeah how could yeah. we forget that? When his uh, head got caught by Pepe Reina, and um, he had the ball into the back of the net, 3-0. That was a lovely one. But, um, yeah. They've kind of got nightmares for weeks, that. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. And also, Andy Johnson against Arsenal as well. I think that's more of a better goal than the celebration. But um, when, I think it was stoppage time against Arsenal, and it was snowing. Or hailing, or and it was just it was just pelting down. It was like an evening match under the lights, and Andy Johnson scored against Arsenal, and oh, we just went crazy. I, I don't even know what Andy Johnson did at the time, but um, that was a great goal. But that's more of a goal with a celebration. But um, yeah, they're our fa- favourite celebrations anyway. And we're going to talk about um, danger men about Chelsea away. We've got Chelsea on Sunday. Um, at Stamford Bridge it's going to be a difficult game and it's a game where key players can really affect the game so we're going to pick out one player from each team that we think can really be the danger man in the game and cause trouble for the opposition defence so um, who are yours then Paul? Um, shall I say Chelsea's and then ours? Yeah, go, go with Chelsea's yeah we'll go with Chelsea yeah go with Chelsea um, the danger man for Chelsea for me I I, I really rate that Alvaro Morata yeah. I mean, I know he's not had the best of times since they signed him. He's not scored buckets, loads of goals, but I, I think he's a good striker when he's when he's got his confidence right and when he's kind of in a system that sort of suits him. And he looks like he is coming into form now. So, and he's he's got physique as well. Do you know what I mean? He's the type of striker who can score a, a header from a corner. He can get on the end of things. He can be a slotter. It, it, our, our Michael Keane and Zuma it's not a case of where if they just do one thing then if they just make sure they get this one aspect of the, of their game right then they're completely taking him, him out of the game he's not that type of striker he's not like a Lukaku you just think right as long as I just stay on him and don't give him a yard of space then he's probably not going to have much of a sniff Morata can kind of what's the word he can diversify his game yeah. sort of thing so yeah is a player I really like and I think we'll Adressa Garner Gay, who's going to surely play a defensive midfield, he's going to have to really, really keep an eye out. He is, on yeah. Not only... Hmm? He is, yeah, definitely. Um, I, 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 just, yeah. I just think he's, he's like... He was signed to be like a world-class striker for Chelsea. And he was, he yeah, was, he was... He was signed... He was, he was expected... Like, big things were on his back. He was, he was number nine, I think, at first. He had to move him to number 29 because he couldn't really deal with the pressure. So that was an interesting uh, little move. But no, he was, he was signed... Massive things were expected of him. And um, he couldn't really produce that at first. He, he failed to really produce that. And it looked last season anyway, like they had Morata and Giroud and they were two average strikers, but they didn't have a world-class one. But you always thought if Morata could hit some form, then he, he could be a world-class striker because he's got the attributes, as you say. He's got, he's got the, yeah. he's got the, uh, the diverse ability in his game where he can, he can change things up and he can, he can make things happen. So, yeah, I do think he's, he's one to look out for. Would you, would you say... Kind of, kind of gay would have to mark him then, it, like kind of a ma- ma- marking kind of thing. Um, ideally, but he's gonna have his hands full of Hazard, you'd yeah. think, wouldn't you? And other players like Barkley and probably that I can't say his name. The guy that got on loan from Real Madrid. Um, oh, Covid situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, for, yeah. Hmm. Sorry if I made a if I made a meal of that, but yeah. Anyways. So our midfield's going to have its hands full. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I just I just think Keane and Zuma need to really, really communicate with one another. They can't just kind of 
let their minds wander and daydream because I really think Morata's the type of player where if he gets half a yard of space in and around the box, he, he can finish. Do you know what I mean? He's not an absolute donkey, not by any stretch of the imagination. He's a he, he's a very good striker when you give him the space to just do his thing, and or if he's getting the service from his creative players around him like Hazard and Jorginho and people like that. So my danger man would be Morata. I, I really hope that we kind of focus on on him in the week, and we think right, he I mean he might not start, but I think I think he probably will. Yeah. So I think he's, he's just he's just scored a brace in his last game, hasn't he? So you'd think Zari's not going to drop him. So if Morata's the player who I've just got a nasty feeling that he's probably going to get a goal against us, and to prevent that, we're, the defense is going to have to be better than it was against Brighton because, as we saw, they switched off for ten seconds and a goal went in, and that's against Brighton from a set piece. We can't be doing that against Chelsea because they've got five or six players who could just easily put one past us. So. The danger man for Chelsea is Morata, and the danger man for us that Chelsea need to worry about is Bernard. Yeah, I really like Bernard. The last couple of games against United and against Brighton, and he's—I wouldn't say he's played badly, not by any stretch. He's just kind of not been at the forefront of the good stuff type thing. He's not had any real standout moments. He's not—he's not put in any brilliant passes or shown any outrageous bits of skill like he did against Leicester. So. Bernard, I think, is a player who's not going to be dropped. He doesn't deserve to be dropped. He's going to be in the lineup, and I think he, I think he's due another good performance, and he's going to be motivated. He's going to be seeing the likes of Richarlison scoring goals. He's going to be seeing the likes of Luchman, you know, taking his chances when he's when he's being given them. He's going to know that what that Walcott's not going to be. What's the way? Walcott's not going to give his place away lying down. So I think Bernard's going to look around and think, yeah, I, I'm going to have to bring my performance levels right up here to make sure I stay in this team long term. And I think he's due a goal as well. He's not, not scored yet since he brought him in. And he is a great goal scorer. He scored some brilliant goals for Shakhtar. So I want to see Bernard break his duck. And I think if Chelsea kind of don't show him the respect he deserves, because he is only a little fella, isn't he? I think it's it could be very easy for opposition defences to just kind of not pay much attention to him type thing. Just be one of these players who kind of just slips under the radar because they think, no, he's 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 a twerp him. He's not great. He can't hurt us. But no, he's he's an outrageously skillful player. So I really want to see a good performance from Bernard, and I really really hope that he gets on the score sheet soon because I think once he gets one, he'll just take off. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes when I'm watching him, I just think, how have we managed to get him? Like he he's an absolute quality player. I know he. Some people are saying he lacks the physicality and the the size for the Premier League. Obviously, he get pushed off the ball a little bit when he's really five foot five or something like that. But the quality he has, he's, he's a top-class player. And um, sometimes he's on a different wavelength to the other players. And um, hopefully that will come with time if they play together enough. But he, when he gets going, he is a quality player. And hopefully on that um, on that left side, he can uh, he can make things happen. And um, I do think if he, he can, he can weave between the gaps with Chelsea, obviously it's difficult with the Saudi side. He's very tactically um, aware. But I think definitely he's one to weave between the gaps and make things happen. Um so I agree with you there. Um, my Chelsea man to watch would be Eden Hazard. I think he's coming back into the team at the moment, and he's uh, he's coming back from injury, and he's just he's world class. He's one of the best players in the world. I, I put him top three, I think, um, in the world. I think he's the best after um, Messi and Ronaldo. I know a lot of people say Griezmann, but Mbappe. I do think Hazard at the moment is the best player, the third best player in the world. So I do think. 
whether he's at the top of his game having just come back from injury is debatable and he came on for about 15 minutes uh, this last weekend and um, he got an assist so I just think he just makes things happen as you say a little bit like Bernard but obviously in his prime um, Ed Hazard is absolute quality and uh, I remember um, a game though where Everton played Chelsea and um, Ghana um, man marked Hazard and um he pretty much marked him out of the game, to be fair. And um, I remember. Uh, was, oh, when was it? Was that the Was that was that the FA Cup? I think it was, yeah. Um, I think it yeah, Lukaku got two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Idrissa Gay gave an interview afterwards in French and said, um, "Someone asked him in French, um, where where is Hazard?" And he said, "He's in my pocket." And uh, Hazard walked past <laughs> the time. It was just, it was just great. But, um, I'm, I'm sure he can he can do that again, but uh, I don't think I don't think Marco Silva will ask Gator man Mark Hazard if he plays at the weekend. I think Gay will be asked to do his normal job, but I do think Hazard is definitely one to watch because he's probably going to be the most capable player on the pitch. So uh, I do think he's definitely one to massively look out for. But um, in terms of Everton's danger man, I've gone with Richarlison because um, having scored the brace the weekend, his confidence is going to be confidence is going to be sky high, and they've just got to watch out for him because. I just, I just think he can he can terrorise any defence in the Premier League, even the quality of uh, of Chelsea. Um, they have very good centre backs, obviously as Pellegrini is a great defender and uh, Rudiger as well. But um, I, I can't see Richarlison running rings. I, I can't uh, running rings around them even because I, I I just think at the top of his game, no one can deal with him. So I think if we do get the ball into his feet and he can just he can just knock it around them like he did last weekend, I do think he's he's definitely um, I think he's our danger man at the moment, the man in form. And the man who can get his goals, um, definitely yeah. in the counter attack, because I think that might be the way to play. I think we are going to take it to Chelsea at the weekend, um, but if we are going to play a little bit on the counter attack, um, then Richardson's the man. He's going to uh, he's going to be the one making the runs forward. So that's my danger man. But um, I don't. Um, I don't know. Should we talk? Should we talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah, go for it. We're off Barkley. Should we talk about Barkley? No, we're going to have to, aren't we? We're going to have to. We're going to. Do you think what do you think he's going to do? Anything? Do you think he's going to be good? Do you think he's going to stink? Do you, what, what's your gut feeling? I've got a horrible feeling he's going to he's he's just going to have a great game, the game of his life, because he he's he's in some good form at the moment, and I just I've just got a horrible feeling he's going to he's going to come into his own and just have the game of his life, and he's 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 one of those players if he's got a point to prove, he he will play well, but um. The the only thing the only thing that's making me feel better is have you seen the clip of that shot that he had um at the weekend and uh, it was like one of those uh, we saw it a few times for Everton but um he's in some great form he picked the ball up just outside the box and he absolutely ballooned it like into the car park so um that was encouraging but yeah. um apart from now apart, apart from that he's, he's he's at the top of his game he's definitely someone to watch out for so uh, I'm hoping he doesn't have a good game but uh, what do you think um as you said I've just got a horrible feeling he's going to He's going to have a score a goal or he's going to set one up. But if he scores a goal, I promise you, it won't be like a pile drive. It'll just be the worst little tapping sort of, oh my God, why did he have to be the one who did that type type goal? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, one thing I really I really hope Sigurdsson has a brilliant game. I, I hope Sigurdsson makes a show of him and yeah. shows Evertonians that he is an upgrade from Barkley. And he's like, yeah, what do you need Barkley for when you've got me? Yeah. I'd love that. I'd really, I'd really love that. I'd love Barkley to be on that pitch thinking, Christ, if I was at Everton, I'm not get, I wouldn't get in that team over him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want Sigurdsson to go there and show that he's a proper number ten and he's better than Barkley was. But 
as you said, Barkley's just one of those players. He's one of those players where if he gets the bit between his teeth and he's given a simple job to do, then he kind of rises to the occasion and impresses, doesn't he? But thing about but Barkley, oh, if he scores, do you think what do you think he'll do? Do you think he'll give it? He'll give it the big one. Yeah. Do you think he'll be he, muted? Or? He'll go crazy. I think. Personally, I think do you think? Yeah, I think he 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 ran us into the ground. I think with the contract, I think that showed. He wasn't that bothered about Everton and the fact that he'd run down his contract and, and robbed us, in my opinion, of twenty million at least. Yeah. But um I, I don't think he has many ties. I know he's he's given a little few a couple of little slide digs to Everton, hasn't he, in his in his press conferences, even though he couldn't get his words out very well. Um he's given a little <laughs> a few little slide digs to Everton and I just I just don't think I, I think he's it's sad to say he's lost his ties with the club having been there from such a young age and being a lifelong fan, but I, I do think he go crazy. I, I, I don't know. I just got the feeling he he just go mental, and it's just it's sad really because he, he he was he's one of ours. But what do you think? Do you think he go crazy? Or do you think he? Yeah, of I, think, I think he will. Do you think he will? I, I think he will, especially if the fans are giving it to him beforehand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when the Kaku scored against us for United, I mean he gave it to the fans a little bit. It wasn't too over the top. I think he just cupped his ear, didn't he? Yeah. That was it. But I, as as you said, I think Barkley will. Barkley will give it them the big one, like he's Liverpool scoring a Goodison, do you know what I mean? Like Gerard used to do and things like that. I, I can see that type of reaction from Barkley. And if he does that, then whatever. That's what what, what I kind of expect. If he did nothing, if he just had a muted celebration, then if anything, I'd kind of feel a bit what's the word? I feel like that would be a bit condescending. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, we we hate you. We want you to know we hate you. You don't have to show us respect. We're not gonna give you any respect. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can I don't want it to happen, but you can go mad. Just go mad with your own supporters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, I, I don't like all this wishy-washy crap where players kind of feel obligated to not celebrate yeah. when they clearly want to. I mean, I don't yeah. mind it when players kind of were at a club long term and then they kind of they didn't leave under bad circumstances. They left on nice terms and then they just out of respect don't celebrate. Yeah. Like someone like Lampard against Chelsea when he scored a penalty for City. I don't think he did. But when players, when, when you know that they hate that former club, and that they want to go mad, and they just don't for some reason. Maybe they just feel like uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. I, I, I want to. I want to see the celebration. Do you know what I mean? I want to. Yeah. No, that's the one. I don't want to. I don't. Honestly, I don't want to see the preservation. <laughs> but I want. I want to see the emotion from yeah. I've got emotion towards him. We're not shy about showing how, how we feel about him. So you don't have to be shy of showing how you feel about us. Do you know what I mean? If you get the opportunity to. So hopefully we don't. Hopefully we don't even have to. It's a mute point that he doesn't do anything. Hopefully he's just anonymous, or yeah. someone goes through him after ten minutes and he limps off. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Andre Gomez or just a guy will actually go. Through oh yeah, Andre Gomez makes an absolute show. Yeah, just run him off the park. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping we don't see some kind of other by or remember him against the uh, Arsenal when he yeah. ran the lens with the pitch. But uh, no, um, hoping not. Anyway, fingers crossed for the game against Chelsea at the weekend. Um, we'll wrap it up anyway. Thanks for watching. Please um, like, comment and subscribe to the video and give us a follow on social media as well. Our Twitter handles are below, our pictures now. Uh, give Paul a follow on P underscore McAllister123 and myself at TomClark40. And um, give, give us a follow on Everton Newsfeed, the Toffee Blues on Twitter as well. So um, yeah, thanks for watching. Um, tune in next time on the Toffee Blues Extra Show. Um, thanks, for, thanks Paul for coming on as well. I've got to thank you for... Um, been a pleasure. No problem, mate. No problem. Yeah, so um, thank you for watching. Tune in next time on the Toffee Blues. Oh, God,